We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 17th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Um, Jake Latarski's back with me like he is every Tuesday for what he likes to call the most important podcast you listen to every week. And he's right, because there's lots of free agents that you're needing to look for, because basically every week now, Jake, is some one or two or more catastrophic injuries in the NFL. Yeah, injuries, of course, that's definitely one thing you have to replace. And there are only two bye weeks this week, but next week and moving forward, we're going to start seeing those three, four, five, six teams on a bye. And it definitely helps to start your preparation. Now, like I said, most important podcast all week. And you can never have dead weight on your bench. You can always be upgrading nonstop. And those are the best fantasy owners. And hopefully we can help you execute that strategy. Exactly. Those bye weeks Jake mentioned are the Lions and Texans. Uh, sorry to Sean Watson owners, but he's off this week. Um, anything you want to talk about Monday? Colts, Titans. You know, it's funny. If you look at the Murray-Henry split, it looks like Henry dominated if you just look at the box score. But very late, he had a 72-yard touchdown run. Before that, he was 18 for 59. So there wasn't a ton of difference between those two. Sounds like Murray was still battling his hamstring injury. 
Yeah, I, you know, I watched. I started watching this game right around the second quarter and, and finished it out. And you know, especially towards the end of the game. Now you're never going to see anything official from the Titans. I don't think we have anything on our site to suggest an injury is in play. But there were a couple times where Murray just kind of came off the field and he was cringing a little bit. You know, so I think the injury did play a role in his usage. I think the Titans want him to be the go-to back when they can. But uh, in this case, especially late in the game when they had clock to run out, you might as well use your power runner in Derrick Henry. And and I think a lot of people are high on Derrick Henry. And, you know, whether it's in the back half of this year or next, I think he will be very good. Uh, and if you're a fantasy owner, you're in a tough spot because he's not always going to see this usage. He's going to have just as many, you know, five carries, 18 yard type of games. But it is encouraging if you are hanging on to him for the long term or in keeper leagues. Yeah, they did say they were going to get him back involved this week because after week five, they basically ignored him. So that's good for Derrick Henry owners. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out. Uh, Mariota's back didn't run much. It sounded like it looked like they were kind of telling him to stay stay away from danger, which he did pretty mm-hmm. well. Uh, the other thing, the receivers, we, we always look at that team and we're not sure which receiver to use other than maybe Delaney Walker. Um, coming into last night, I think we were probably all leaning Richard Matthews. If you look at the targets, Eric Decker got nine, Matthews four, Taewon Taylor four. Um, uh, Decker's Decker's a guy who if if Mariota develops that chemistry with him. Decker's a good good and underrated receiver who can probably put up some pretty solid PPR numbers. Yeah, I, I think he does have that situation. Now, one of the themes of the telecast here that they were talking about is is Mariota maybe have maybe maybe benefited from this situation because he wasn't rolling out and running around so much so his injury forced him to be a pocket passer and they kept referring to this on the telecast over and over again so maybe that type of situation led to more production from Decker but it's it's tough to correlate those two types of things but yeah Decker had a pretty good game he's been quite inconsistent this year so there's chance he is on your waiver wire in a lot of leagues and uh, and Matthews is definitely the higher owned guy and then you know maybe later on we'll talk about Corey Davis because what kind of role will he have when he comes back into play so it's it's tough to rely on Decker a whole lot but uh he was certainly encouraging on Monday night um good stat here also I saw uh from Graham Barfield on Twitter T.Y. Hilton has finished as a top 24 receiver in four of 14 career starts without Andrew Luck so yeah T.Y. owners if you're frustrated there's your there's your Mm -hmm. culprit right there yeah, exactly. And then hopefully we start to see luck relatively soon. Dante Moncrief, who I've been actually hanging on to in another league, hoping that, uh, you know, he'll get better when luck came back. I actually had to start him this week with AJ Green on a bye. Five for 67, which isn't terrible in a PPR. It's it's passable when you're covering for bye week players. So he's looking like a decent option as well. But he has pretty low ownership as well due to the Brissett situation. Yep. All right, everybody, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. If you want to communicate with us on Twitter, Jake's at Jake, sorry, Jake is at jakeski52. I'm at jhelpin37. You can also find us at Rotowire and get the news feed at Rotowire NFL. And as always, as with everyone, you can find us on Facebook where we do uh, Q&As through the course of the week. Jake, you're doing yours tonight, right? Yes, I'll be doing, uh, yep, yeah, Facebook Live at uh 4.30 Central, 5.30 Eastern. So uh, we'll get you for that afternoon commute. If you have any questions on what we talk about today, general questions about your team, I'm always happy to try and help you out here. And I'll be kind of doing what we do here a little bit, running down my top couple of targets at each position. All righty. Let's get into the quarterbacks first. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Dunzo for Aaron Rodgers for fantasy purposes. You can't count on him. You can't expect even by, by, some, if by some miracle his recovery is accelerated uh, for fantasy purposes, he is extremely unlikely to help mm-hmm. you. 
Yeah, it's looking like he's going to have season-ending surgery. So, of course, he can probably be dropped. And yeah, I never thought I'd be saying this at this point in the year. But, yeah, this, and this is the only reason why you would say, okay, you can drop Aaron Rodgers right now. I think some of his pass-catching weapons might take a hit a little bit too, of course, when you go from elite best quarterback in the league to, you know, kind of barely right around replacement-level quarterback in Brett Hundley. Uh, you know, the, the pass catching options might take a hit. And of course, they'll probably try to devote more attention to the run game. But that does mean that Brett Hundley is going to be a target for a lot of people, definitely in two quarterback leagues. And and, uh, you know, maybe if you're maybe if you're desperate in a single season just to see where it goes. All right. I mean, Hundley on Sunday, the stats weren't great. No, but he's mobile. He's got weapons. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's had flashes in the preseason. So I, um, just full disclosure, I'm a Packers fan. So this thing was incredibly painful to watch here on Sunday. Um, but Hundley has actually been pretty encouraging over the years. And uh, and I think when he gets a week of practice where he knows he's the starter going in and McCarthy and company can game plan around it. And they're most definitely, I mean, they're going to face the Saints this week. I'm actually going to be heading to Lambeau Field for uh, this game on Sunday. So we'll, I'll get to see this live in, live in action. But uh, they get the Saints this week, a much worse defense than the Vikings here. So I think it was just a, a big, difficult co- cocktail of circumstances here for Hundley. And I think we'll see a better Brett Hundley moving forward the rest of the year. Immediately after Rodgers went down, I, I kept getting asked in the office, you know, our NFL editor, whoever else, we'll take your pick. You guys want to pick up Kaepernick or you guys want to pick up Tony Romo? What, what are you guys going to do? And I, and I keep saying, well, you know what, to be completely honest and, and people, you know, might disagree with this, but I think that in that room, they like Hundley and they think Hundley's better. Are you sure? And my response was, are you sure Kaepernick's better than Hundley? And you know, from past history, we have more of a, uh, a story on Kaepernick, but Mike McCarthy reiterated over and over again during his press conference and, and reporters continued to ask him about it. And he just continued to get more and more ir- irritated, but he's satisfied with what's in that quarterback room right now. And Brett Hundley looks like he's going to be the guy the rest of the season. All right. Um, next up, we're going to Tampa. Jameis uh, is, is a sprained throwing shoulder day to day. We're not sure what his status is for the weekend. Um, the Bucks are hosting the Bills, and Ryan Fitzpatrick would get the start if Jameis can't go. Uh, for this week, that doesn't look like a great – I mean, the good thing about Fitzpatrick is he has no conscience. So mm-hmm. he's just going to be – you know, you, you would think that he is going to zero in on Mike Evans. Now, tough opponent mm-hmm. this week, and you know Fitzpatrick will throw interceptions if he gets the chance to play, but, but mm-hmm. he's – you know, he, he can put up some numbers because he's done it before. Yeah. So and we don't even entirely know about Jameis Winston yet. A lot of rumblings say he's going to try to play through it. I find that really tough to believe. I've never, of course, suffered this type of injury myself. But in his throwing shoulder, this is type typically a thing where, uh, you know, NFL players that aren't throwing the ball, you know, on on on. 40 snaps a game here. Um, those types of players even miss time due to this injury. So it, I'd be a little bit surprised if Winston came out there and played through it. I would wonder how effective he might be. He'd probably be someone I'd bench in my fantasy leagues just because of the road matchup. Pretty good defense injury question marks here. Um, but yeah, I guess Fitz, Fitzpatrick does have some value in two quarterback leagues because he does have Mike Evans to throw to. Cameron Brate's reliable. He can go deep to Deshaun. They get Doug Martin back. So there are a lot of good weapons around him. Um, so I think he can succeed enough to maybe be a QB two in a two quarterback lead. All right. Next guy I wanted to talk about uh, Kevin Hogan. And the reason I wanted to talk about Kevin Hogan is because they're playing against the Titans whose past defense has been kind of up and down, um, getting better. But, mm-hmm. um, 
he looked bad last week, but he's had stretches. The week before when he came in for Kaiser, he was pretty good. What do you think? Any interest at all? I have very, very little interest. Definitely less than Fitzpatrick would go above Hogan on on uh, power rankings, even with a good matchup against the Titans. I mean, Hogan was not necessarily accurate. He's basically Deshaun Kaiser in a sense that he threw three picks, but he doesn't. He didn't have as much. Well, he did run five times for 36 yards, so I guess there's a little bit of a, a bump due to that. But given this Cleveland receiving core, there's just not a lot to get excited about. Their best offensive player, I mean, when it, when it all boils down, their best offensive player, is it Duke Johnson maybe, Isaiah yeah. Crowell? Like you look, Ricardo Lewis is probably their best wide receiver. He leads them in targets and snaps on the field over the course of the season. But I mean, none of these guys scare you. I mean, Bryce Treggs was a guy they just bumped up off the practice squad. Right. He was targeted three times. Um, Richard Higgins, Sammy Coates, you know, used to be with Pittsburgh. Kenny Britt's still on the shelf. He was inactive due to multiple injuries and ineffectiveness. I saw in a in a Cleveland Plain Dealer article. So there's just not a lot to get excited about on that offense. To even I, you know, I, I probably cast aside Hogan unless I have I'm in a bye week situation in a two quarterback league where I'm desperate. He's someone that you cast aside because they'll eventually go back to Kaiser. I think Hugh Jackson said they were going to do that anyway. All right, um, Teddy Bridgewater is going to start practicing this week, and and what what this means for Teddy Bridgewater is he, they've got a three week. Correct me if I'm wrong. They've got a three week window to decide if Teddy Bridgewater is going to go on IR or if he's going to get activated. So he's mm-hmm. not going to play this week, but it's either soon or never, right? What do you, what do you, what's your interest level in in grabbing him and and trying to stash him on a bench as your second quarterback? Yeah, it would have to be in a two quarterback league. I think most of these guys, with the exception of maybe Hundley that we're going to talk about this week, are really limited to two quarterback leagues. So it would have to be that type of league. You would have to have a relatively deep bench uh, because, you know, I mean, any quarterback that eventually starts a game has some value in that type of format. And even if it's quarterback super flex or, or, or whatnot, but you it have to have a pretty deep bench and, and, and be very patient and satisfied with your starters. So there are not a lot of situations yet, but there is some potential here. I'm not even entirely convinced he can beat out Case Keenum for the job because Keenum's actually played pretty well yes. covering for Sam Bradford this year. He has, absolutely. I agree. Um, I'm with you, Teddy. I'm not that interested here. Um, the other guys I wanted to ask about, um, C.J. Bethard's going to start for the Niners. Um, the job is his, it looks like. i got to tell mm-hmm. you, my uh, my MFL trio of Goff, Hoyer, Bradford, not looking great at the moment. Ooh, ouch. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I thought I was going to go bargain basement on the quarterback, and man, mm-hmm. that did not work. <laughs> yeah, MFLs are tough. Usually I try to get a couple of good guys that, you know, I try to get two at those positions that you only have to start one, like quarterback and tight end. I actually find my typical strategy for those is to get two pretty decent guys relatively early to mid rounds and then I start to stack up on my running back receiver sleepers so I'm not quite in that situation yet although the year before last year I won won the league that I had Bradford in because he snuck in with a couple of good games so hey, it's 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 tough man it's a year-to-year thing um so the Niners are playing home against the Cowboys the Cowboys if you look they're in the middle of the league in passing defense but then you look at the passer rating the you know the defensive backs are are no good um it's funny I, I was reading Kevin Payne's waiver wire article talking about how Bethard is mobile and I kind of went oh I didn't know that and I started digging a little bit so it looks like I mean with college it, it's hard to look just look at college rushing stats for a quarterback because the statistics are kept a little differently right with the sacks mm-hmm. and all so but Bethard he had eight touchdowns but there, there's is there any evidence I mean you're a I mean being in the Midwest I'm assuming you're you're mm-hmm. a big 10 watcher can he run it yeah. all 
Yeah, I mean, he can run a little bit, I guess. I, you know, those Iowa games, uh, <laughs> I try to think about how, how the Badgers did. The Badgers always had a really good defense while he was in there. So that, I mean, the one time, a couple times a year, I was zeroing in on C.J. Bathard. He was just getting hit a lot, and the games weren't really all that close. But, yeah, he can run a little bit. You know, you can get outside the pocket, be a little mobile. I don't think he's ever completed more than 62% of his passes in any collegiate season. So that's a little a little bit concerning. Even though the Niners are at home and they've got Kyle Shanahan with a week to prepare for him, um, I mean, I would maybe put Bathard just a hair above a Kevin Hogan. But remember, these Dallas Cowboys are probably getting Sean Lee back after the after – the, uh, by week and that'll help you know contain some of that mobility and also help limit their success in the running game and put more pressure on Beathard so I'm not super high on Beathard he would be just a hair above Hogan and probably just a little bit below Ryan Fitzpatrick in this week's you know quarterback rankings okay next one up uh I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be here. Any interest in Jay Cutler against the Jets Jets pass defense actually not bad Cutler last week the Dolphins did well because they ran the ball a ton Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess a tiny bit of streaming in, intrigue. Uh, and of course, he might get a little bit of a boost with Devontae Parker. If Parker even comes back, he's been dealing with what I believe is an ankle injury. Um, he did. He targeted basically Jarvis Landry was Elshon Jeffrey last week. He targeted Jarvis Landry 14 times. And that's probably not necessarily healthy or sustainable uh, for Miami. So, you know. You can play him with a reasonably like eight to ten point floor, but you can't have super high expectations. Color's not going to win you any given week. All right. The last one I want to mention, even though his ownership level is kind of high, 61%. Andrew Luck sounds like he's going to be a practice this week. Um, the beat writer for the Indianapolis Star suggests that week eight is a possibility for Luck, which is not that far. Are you, if it's, would it have to be? I can see the way I'm looking at this is. Yes, if I'm stashing a quarterback on my bench, I can see it being luck. It would just have to be cheap. Yeah, I mean, if I if I just lost Aaron Rodgers and needed someone to stream someone like Cutler and I was actually considering those guys as options and, and luck was out there, I'd be snatching him long term. But I'm looking across my leagues right now. My starters are either Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, or Deshaun Watson in that league. I think I'm streaming Tyrod Taylor this week most likely. So – I mean, in none of those leagues will I be using a roster spot on luck. I guess we can just put it that way. All right. That's fair. Give me your uh, top two. If you, top if you two? If you're quarterbacks tonight. Yep. Uh, Hundley, number one. Fitzpatrick, probably number two, just because, yeah, best situation offensively, weapon-wise. But that, of course, could change if Winston does decide he's going to somehow play through that injury. All right. Everybody, most of you have tried daily fantasy sports games, and we know how it went. You had fun playing, you loved the competition, and you lost, and you lost some more because the Sharks kind of took your money. And you quit playing daily fantasy sports in a lot of cases. Playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun, it's just that continually losing isn't. But I'm here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level. It ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is, say, I don't know, 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s because they have their own contests. At fanball.com, every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 35 and know that it'll have players in it just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Fanball.com. All right, running backs, uh, who, who's, who are you ditching this week? I mean, Corey Clement only carried the ball twice, was only on the field for 10 snaps, got some love for the former Badger, of course, but they seem to be uh, recommit- or pretty committed to LeGarrette Blount at this point, and eventually we'll start to see Wendell Smallwood back in the mix, so he's definitely on my drop list. Uh, Blount is, he scored, he looked good last week, 
and he is scoring well when people use the elusivity ratings and you know missed tackle percentages and things like that. It, mm-hmm. It's there's some uh, it, he's he those numbers would suggest that right now he is not just a bulldozer, that, which is the impression we have of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is definitely unique. But uh, I didn't get, actually get a, a chance to see him uh, play on uh, on Thursday night. I was uh, I ended up scoring tickets to a Joe Nichols concert in Madison. But anyway, uh, uh, that aside, Legarrette Blunt, yeah, he's starting to show a little something that he can start to be an RB two in fantasy. So with that, I mean, even Kenyon Barner got more carries than Corey Clement here. So that's probably enough to throw someone like him on my drop list. Uh, other guys I'm dropping, I mean. Terrence West is injured, but Alex Collins continues to see a lot of the workload there. And, you know, Terrence West hasn't been all that effective. I thought Terrence West was going to have a much better year in a contract year, given a chance to be the RB1. And then, you know, last but not least on that drop list, you have to consider Andre Ellington if it's a non-PPR league. He was on the field for just 13 snaps. So the acquisition of Adrian Peterson is going to hurt him much more than I would have expected. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if that is a game flow thing. Like if, if they're because they were winning mm-hmm. what thirty one to six in that game, yep. And I wonder and they, how much that swings back. I mean, Peterson's obviously a huge impediment to Ellington, but I wonder if they're in a game where they're down a touchdown, what happens? Yeah, that, that's uh, very intriguing. Or if they get down multiple scores, then I think uh, Ellington comes back in. But you know, this is to the point where Ellington was consistent enough when their only, their only other option was Chris Johnson to even hang on to him in a non PPR. Now I probably only really keep him in, in a PPR type format. Yep, I think I'm with you. Um, all right, you mentioned I, I want to jump to Alex Collins first. He's 31 percent owned. You mentioned mm-hmm. him um, two weeks ago or the week before this one. Buck Allen seemed to muscle his way into the lead role. You know, he had 20 some carries or something like that. So Collins plays this week. Again, he only played 22 snaps. He was 15 for 74. Mm-hmm. Every I mean, game he's played, he's produced. And, and do you wonder if they're going to have to start giving him more work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one would think so at this point. And uh, I mean, 22 snaps is a season high for him. 15 carries is a season high for him. He's he's averaging. I mean, what do we have here? Six point four yards per carries on the year, and you and that's fifty two carries now. So you can't just write that off as a as a one game fluke. I, I would assume that Javorius Allen still has a, a role, especially in the third down or when they're behind, which I think they might be a decent amount this year. Um, so so Buck Allen still has some value, especially in PPR. But you know, Collins might have overtaken Terrence West in this situation. Now, I don't get super excited about adding. Alex Collins you know he hasn't he's only he hasn't scored yet this year and you're looking at maybe a seven to eight point you know per week type situation probably not this week when they had two Minnesota one of the most exceptional front sevens in the league right now a lot of talent there um so maybe not for this week but he he does have a spot on on fantasy rosters in a lot of formats yeah I mean and Collins the weird thing is this week against the Bears he he was on the field for 22 snaps and that's the highest he's been on but mm-hmm. I mean the the production's been good so he's he's a weird one and I, I don't know I agree with you I tend to think Allen's the better back but but Collins like, I don't know what to make of him and the thing to remember about Collins he fumbled a couple of times early on and Harbaugh mm-hmm. said He's, you know, he basically said he's on a short leash. So this guy goes out. If you pick him up and try to play him this weekend, let's say if you had Lamar Miller and you're stuck and you play Collins, if he fumbles on the first drive, see you later. Yeah. I mean, he fumbled in week two against the Browns, week four against the Steelers, lost them both. That's no good. He's also only had two targets in the passing game in the five games that he's played all year. So very limited upside and bluster is that risk. So definitely something to watch for. 
All right. Um, we're going to go to Dallas where Ezekiel Elliott, as of right now, we have to think he is going to start his suspension. Yep. That's Can I do a- you have to prep. Yep, exactly. That's how I'm going to prep. But I just did a trade, actually, John. I want to do a little rate my trade with you here. I actually just acquired a share of Ezekiel Elliott. All I had to give up was, okay, Zach Ertz, pretty reasonable target, and $13 of my $200 in auction budget next year. Now, this is a league where I'm 5-1. and It's a league where I also have Travis Kelsey, and I also have got David Johnson on my bench. So looking pretty confident in making the playoffs at 5-1. and Emerging of the playoffs with Zeke Elliott and David Johnson. Do you think I made out okay there? Wait, well, who's your other tight? Who's your tight ends now? So I, I had both Kelsey and Zach Ertz. Yeah. I traded Zach Ertz and auction money. I, you know, I would have maybe rather kept Ertz than in Kelsey because it is PPR and he gets a little more volume. But I think I'm going to be okay at tight end. Had to give up one of my good ones to a guy that was another contender who was pretty desperate to make a move for a tight end move spot. It was a three team deal, but in the end, I gave up Ertz and thirteen dollars acquired Ezekiel Elliott figure he either gets me to the playoffs and then he's out or he helps me win a championship once I get to the playoffs as a six seed I mean much as I love Urch that's a really good deal yeah you, you shoot have for to. the moon and at this at this point what you want to do is if you're five and one you want to have a loaded starting lineup for the playoffs mm-hmm. and and you, that's exactly what I'm shooting for that's what you got there nice job I, yeah, I so rate this an A all right. Well, thank you, John. You're I'm welcome. pretty excited about that. But uh, even if the, the point being here, John, that even if Zeke starts his suspension this week against the 49ers, which as of right this moment, record time, that seems like what's going to happen. And of course, that could change at any moment. Uh, but even if he starts the suspension this week, six weeks, he's back around Thanksgiving just in time for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I said early in the year when we expected him to get suspended for the first bunch of games, if you're confident in your fantasy abilities, if you're a good fantasy player and can work around it, still draft him late second, early third round. And I'll say the same kind of mentality right now. Get a share of him if you're confident that you can get the playoffs without the piece that you might have to give up. Yep. That's a, that's a really, really good point. Okay. Short term. Yes. What's a, whether it's a Zeke owner or a non-Zeke owner looking for a running back, where do you go in Dallas? I think you have to go to Alfred Morris first. And I know that he might not quite fit the criteria for this show because he is 54% owned. And that's probably, probably on the rise since I wrote this down last night. Uh, but Alfred Morris, uh, definitely Morris over McFadden because McFadden hasn't even played a game yet. He's been a healthy scratch all year. Um, so again, it's a tough ongoing situation. Maybe the Dallas back isn't necessarily my favorite waiver wire pickup of the week, but Morris would be your top target if he's available. Chances are the Zeke owner was handcuffing him, but if not, jump on that with a good amount of fab money because as it looks right now, he's going to have a few weeks of high productivity and behind that offensive line, you can stick uh, just about any any mid-tier replacement level running back and they'll have good fantasy weeks. All right, so no, the, the Rod Smith flyer idea that some people have, you're not there? I don't think I'm quite there. He's always been kind of a special teams guy. He's only yep. never played more than a couple snaps on this year. I know he caught a pass in the, in that game against the Packers, but I mean, do you, do you have a, a case for Rod Smith? Can no, you sell me on him? I, I can't. Uh, my okay. my case for Rod Smith is other people. People are people are look look at Morris and McFadden and think they're no good. So maybe Rod Smith will get a chance. I think that's the extent of my the the, mm-hmm. the interest yeah. in Rod Smith. But hey, exactly. maybe because maybe you know, be someone. Well, a lot of times when, when I prep, when I try to do my prep for this show, I start to, I, you know, run down, make my list first. And then I run through all these other websites, waiver wire lists, just to see who else is out there, who else is going to be talked about. And if I disagree, I might mention it on here to say, you know, maybe stay away. And yeah, he's one of those that pops up in a couple places, but I can't get excited about. All right. Um, Orleans Darkwa. Whoa. 
Whoa. He, yeah. He, we should have we should have known last week. I said this to Derek yesterday. Because in the game against the Chargers, he started and was looked like he was the guy, and then he got nicked up a little bit, and then Gallman came in. Mm-hmm. And and we I think we should we should have seen I mean, we shouldn't have seen this coming with the Giants line against the Broncos. We should not have seen Darkwa running for 117 yards on 21 carries. But I think workload wise, we were probably remiss last week in not emphasizing him a little more. Yeah, I mean, you can't really emphasize any running back against the Denver defense based on what they've done through the first five weeks. Now, you know, last season they had games where they got gashed a couple times. I think Melvin Gordon cut into him a little bit, of course, not comparing these running backs by any means. But nonetheless, Orleans Darko, who was just 10% owned when I checked on this last night, you know, he played 12 more snaps than Gallman, gained 90 more yards. At this point, Dark was good enough where even when Perkins comes back, I don't necessarily see him conceding work to Perkins because Perkins was just so wildly ineffective. Uh, so I think Orleans Darko would become, you know, logically the top uh, candidate this week just because I think his job between you know week seven and week 16 seems to be more secure than any of these guys so it's more of a long-term outlook now the one word of caution on darkwa is the next three weeks are tough he's got the seahawks bye week uh and then the rams so your immediate impact maybe not so much but who knows after what they did to the to the broncos there's there's a chance that if you know mackett is going to continue to pound the football he wants to run the ball wants to be that running team not put too much pressure on eli manning so Dark was got to be one of the top candidates this week. Yep. Um, we just, yeah, there, there's a glimmer of hope with that offensive line. I just wouldn't put too much stock in it yet. Uh, but you're right about the next three weeks. Um, Deion Lewis, he's, he seems to be, in the beginning of the season, he was the afterthought. Because mm-hmm. Gillisley was the blunt, was replicating Blunt's role, allegedly. Um, James White was going to catch passes. And, you know, gosh, everybody loved Rex Burkhead, including me, that he was he might get his chance. And it was like, oh, yeah, Deion Lewis is still there and maybe he'll get cut. Um, Deion Lewis seems to be back in Bill Belichick's good graces. Yeah. And I think it's more or less because Gillisley might be out of his good graces. I mean, he fumbled, I think, early in that game. And after that fumble, Deion Lewis was the one who got the goal line carry. Now, looking at the Rotowire team trends page here. Deion Lewis was on the field for 29 snaps. White was on the field for 29 snaps and Gillisley just 13 snaps. So tied Lewis tied with the pass catching uh, back. And um, of course, you know, if you buy into the pro football focus grades at all, you know, I think you mentioned the elusiveness rating uh, earlier. Um, Lewis was pro football focus highest rated running back this week. So something to uh, definitely something that, you know, you can't brush that aside entirely. I think that maybe overstated his actual production that never directly translates to fantasy production. But Lewis might be sneaking into that role where people were valuing Gillisley earlier in the year. And, and that's worth noting for your fantasy roster. Yeah, he's a different kind of back, but they like him. The thing is, they since he's been there, they like him when he's healthy. You know, Bel- Belichick <laughs> seems to to be a fan of his. Let's put it that way. Um, late last year, they tried to work him back in. Um, you know, it took a while because he was hurt, but they tried to work him back in. And, you know, sometimes coaches, hey, they don't trust the guy if he can't stay on the field. But but when this guy's on the field, I feel like Belichick seems to like him a lot. Um, the and Deion Lewis, 10% ownership, by the way, at Yahoo. Uh, longer term, uh, Deontay Foreman um, had a good game. I know they were running clock because they were winning by a lot against the Browns. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's so a, sort he's of the same solid, story, you yep. know, he's all right. 
He's sort of the same story as Derrick Henry uh, last night where, you know, they're again, they're running clock. They go to their power back, uh, wanting to conserve Lamar Miller's workload a little bit. And um, I, I just really like Deontay Foreman from the amount of times that I've seen him play, which isn't a huge sample size. But I really like what he brings to the table. He has a ton of upside, big bruising physical back. If you see nobody ever gets him down on first contact and six one two thirty three, So that's that's pretty, pretty big here. Let me see if I can get his speed. And at that build, he runs a four, four, five. So athletically, physically, he's absolutely there. Now, Lamar Miller is always going to stand in his way. And just remember, the Texans are on a bye this week, so you won't get to use him right away. But he's one of those players where he's not going to get a ton of attention, especially heading into a bye. And I mentioned right at the beginning of the show how you all look at the worst player or two on your roster every single week. And chances are a lot of you guys are going to find that Deontay Foreman's better. And he could be, you know, a you you don't want to ever wish for injury, of course, but he could be a Lamar Miller setback or so away from being an impactful, impactful fantasy player. So he's one of those long-term targets, not someone you definitely jump on this week, of course, because it's a buy, but someone who I'll probably continue to mention, and this probably won't be the last time I mention him on the show. Yep. Uh, and if Lamar Miller got hurt, this would be a big, it would be a huge role. for it would, be a, it would be a spend all of your fat money yes. on Deontay Foreman's situation. So if you pick him up a week or two before, and don't have to spend any fat money, you know, just, just throwing that out there. All right. Um, I think the, as I, I said to Derek on Monday, I think the most shocking statistic of the week was, that I saw was Chris Ivory catching nine passes. Yeah. I mean, and because Fournette didn't get hurt till late in that game. And, and Ivory, and I was watching some of it. And I'm like, I think two or three times I looked, I went, did they throw to Ivory again? What's going on? This guy never catches anything. I didn't know he had hands. What, yeah, what, I mean, what do you, I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm going absolute fluke. There's no way I'm trusting this. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. It has to be a, a fluke. I mean, I would say that. So in games where they're behind, yeah, he might get six to eight targets moving forward and that might be okay for you if you're in a 16 team PPR, but don't overreact to the box score in this situation. As long as Fournette is healthy. Now, if Fournette were to suffer any kind of setback in, in practice, uh, then all of a sudden Ivory would get a bump in value. So for that reason alone, he needs to he needs to be mentioned on this type of show. But again, as of right this moment, probably nothing I go after outside of your your 16 PPR, probably. All right. Top three running backs to get for people tonight. Go. Oh, man, I got to go dark one. Number one, because the outlook rest of the season. Alfred Morris, number two, Deion Lewis, number three. I think I'm going Lewis ahead of Morris. I don't trust that Dallas situation. I understand. You know what I don't trust <laughs> about the Dallas situation is that. The offensive line, the the adjustment they made on the offensive line with when Leary leaving and Collins out to right tackle, mm-hmm. they're still good, but they're not the unstoppable force that they were last year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel, that's fair. I feel like the you know that whole idea that well anyone could gain fourteen hundred yards behind this crew. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that's the case anymore. They're good, but not yeah. quite as good. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I put Lewis behind those guys, not necessarily uh, I, I put Lewis behind those guys, let's just say, because the committee's a little bit more threatening yep. for me because, uh, you know, who knows? Gillisley could earn back, back the trust. James White, he's always going to be like splitting, you know, just about equally with James White. So the committee hurts in in, in New England more than uh, the potential committee in, in Dallas. So that that's right. what that's swung the pendulum for me, I guess. Or the who would have or Orleans Darkwa, who would have guessed? 
He's yeah. going to be your number one. Week seven, your number one free agent running back target. <laughs> so it's the guy who had Paul Perkins everywhere on draft day. <laughs> right. Actually, Derek had him in more places than us. So oh, he's okay, been, he did? He's been wow. whining about that Paul Perkins for, for five weeks. Yeah, Derek just smoked me in our stake league. And, of course, that's one of my Paul Perkins shares where I'm just, you know, done at running back. So Got it. Oh, man. But too, too much Paul Perkins. So we'll see if we can take that into a lesson next year. All right. Uh, wide receivers. Who are you dish? Uh, I, I said I think I said to a couple of people last week, if Amari Cooper puts up line X in week six, then what do you do? Well, line X became five for 28. <laughs> what do you do? It, you can't still. As I, I, I am one of the guiltiest people of being stubborn about players. And yes. the thing is, I think part of it's because. I've been playing fantasy baseball for 30 years. And in fantasy baseball, it usually it will pay off more often than not to be stubborn about players. In football, you, have to you be can't patient. be as stubborn. Patience, virtue, yeah, definitely. Yes. In football, you only have 16 matchups. You know, and that's best case scenario if you're going to the championship. You only have 12 matchups in most cases to actually make a decision and make a difference. So I can tell you, John, that I'm not in any league smaller than 12 teams at this time. And if someone dropped Amari Cooper... Amari Cooper's better than the last player on my bench in all of those teams. So I would okay. pick him up. But if you're in an A-team league, you know, I know that a lot of people just do like small, friendly, last-minute office get-together. Or even a 10-team league, he starts to maybe be on the chopping block if there are other good players available. Now, I'm not super stoked about uh, about a lot of receivers this week. So it would be a very, very tough decision. But he is now in that territory where I don't think of him as a buy low anymore. I, I think of him as someone that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to go. All right. I, ju- I just checked my four-team house league with my wife and two kids, and I do not have Amari Cooper. I'd forgotten who was on the <laughs> roster. There so. you go. Yeah, yeah, the that's league. where I would have cut him. How about that? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There we go. All right. Anyone else? Uh, you had Cooper Cup on your list here, and I think uh, yeah, yeah it maybe consideration. Uh, I, I like him in dynasty formats, and there's a little bit of long-term upside, but there hasn't been enough volume in the most recent weeks. And he gets an Arizona secondary next week, followed by a bye week. So he can't be – I would – have a hard time feeling good about starting him against Arizona. So he, any player who hasn't been getting a lot of volume, who has at least two weeks ahead that you're probably not going to use him, has to, again, just be in consideration. All right. Um, other wide receivers, free agent wide receivers. Um, the, the first one, first situation we noted here, this is the Lions are on a bye. Mm-hmm. But Golden Tate sounds like he's going to be out a little while. Yes. It's another one of those AC issues, and it looks like it might be a few weeks. So you have to look to the rest of the of that wide receiver group. And Marvin Jones is the first name that comes to mind. He had an excellent game. Now, uh, you know, granted that was against uh, a, a Saints defense. And um, let me see. I just want to get his exact stat line here: six carry or six receptions on fourteen freaking targets for 96 yards and a touchdown. So heavy volume, especially after Golden Tate ran out. So he'd be the top guy to look at this week, but he's 55% owned. So I guess that means Kenny Galladay at 16% is back in play. Now Galladay uh, didn't, wasn't, uh, he's not even on the, <laughs> did he not get a, a pass? Wow. I totally overlooked that. Uh, so that's a little bit concerning, but uh, he has been the next one up on the depth chart moving forward. So I guess there's a spot for him on some rosters as yeah. well. He, he was, he was inactive because he was hurt. Um, ah, that but was it, it sounds like he's going to come back. So I mean, he apparently didn't practice Tuesday, but it sounds like he's um, going to come back. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll come back. So uh, when, yeah. when they, come oh, back, and they, they have the bye. Yeah. They have the bye week ahead. So maybe he'll get a chance. I mean, uh, in the three games, he had 15 targets 
scored two touchdowns in week one against Arizona, tough secondary. So um, that there is a spot on the fantasy radar for him because, like I said, it says gold, looks like Golden Tate might be a few weeks. All right, the next guy on your list. So you've got Benny Fowler here because Emmanuel Sanders not going to play in week seven. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing, the, the thing that we've talked about before with the Broncos is the uh, is the skinny route tree, I guess, that basically they only throw to Thomas and Sanders pretty much. Yep. Even, so even though their stats aren't, even though they're not a passing team so much, you know they're only throwing to two guys, so the volume should be there. Now with Sanders out, I mean, they can't throw to Thomas every time. So you, mm-hmm. you think Benny Fowler is going to kind of fill that gap at least, you know, to some extent? Yeah, he's at least going to be the next man up. I trust him more than someone like Cody Lattimore or an Isaiah McKenzie type situation. Just taking the week six sample size. So, OK, the Broncos had a bye week, week five and week four. Fowler played 34 snaps against Oakland. You know, most brush that off in most uh, fantasy circles. Week six against the Giants. He was on the field for 61 snaps and was targeted eight times. Now, granted, he only finished three for 21. But we know he's been looked to in the red zone before. I mean, he did catch, you know, like I just mentioned with Galladay, he caught two touchdown passes in week one. So Fowler becomes in consideration. I would I like Fowler more than uh, like a Roger Lewis from the Giants, you know, somebody who okay. is just there because of opportunity. Um, Fowler. I, yeah, I would I would put him ahead of, of that in the order, especially because in, in New York, Sterling Shepard will be back sooner or later. And it looks like Evan Ingram's the top guy anyway. Um, but that's kind of how I think of, of Benny Fowler. There's there's a spot for him in, in some formats here, and he definitely is on the list with Sanders out. All right. Um Jets are playing at Miami. Miami hasn't been very good. Robbie Anderson was busy in week six. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the quarterback was busy looking his way. Him himself, he only caught four of his 12 targets. So not good efficiency. Again, Patriots defense, not great. So you don't get super excited about Robbie Anderson, but at least he's emerging as the top option. And, and with opportunity, sometimes comes results. All right. Um, next guy up. Steel. So Martavis Bryant last week was kind of a fiasco. There were rumors that he asked for a trade. The Steelers said they're not trading him, but... Martavis had his, you know, his work cut back. He was on the field for fewer snaps. Juju Smith-Schuster kind of stepped up a little. He, he played that second outside spot. He's got a, he was on the field for 44 snaps, only three for 32 on three targets. But that's a team where, you know, Martavis, they, they throw enough that the second wide receiver, even with bell catching passes, the second wide receiver ha, has been productive enough on occasion that you could look at a guy like Juju if you think he's going to play. Yeah, I'm still, you know, I'm holding out hope for Brian. I still own him in one league. I don't think I can start him with a lot of confidence anymore. So, I mean, Schuster gets on the radar. It was just very disconcerting to see him play 11 more snaps and get a little bit more volume. Of course, I believe personally that Brian's the better athlete and probably has better upside if they would if they would throw to him a little more, look for him on deep routes especially. But they're just not doing that. And if, and if, and if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have it left uh, – it's it's really tough, but it's, it, right now the trajectory looks to be heading towards Juju. Okay. I mean, the thing about Bryant, he, you said he's a better athlete. He's a better athlete than everybody. Yes. <laughs> he's just by, he's, by, he's by not making them very happy, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. It, yes. It's I, a, and, I, and also – Enigma. And, and Bryant, I mean, he's you know one violation away from possibly being out of the league for good from falling into Josh Gordon territory. So that's also – I guess a bit concerning maybe for them. Yeah, he's difficult to trust. Let's put it that way. Um, two other, a few other guys I want to mention. Uh, John Brown kind of making some noise finally. I know there's a lot of people who get, get excited about John Brown and, you know, he couldn't stay on the field. But he seems to be – I don't know if we can say he's back, but 
he's he's interesting at least, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, only four targets, and the two weeks before that, he had seven apiece. Uh, but the four targets, he was very efficient, and I think he knows he needs to make the most of his opportunities now with the emergence of Jerron Brown and J.J. Nelson still around as a deep threat. Three for 63 in a score. I mean, yeah, definitely Brown on the radar, but I mean, Fitzgerald just had that huge week, and right. he, it just seems like he's ageless. Um, yeah, you got to hope for, you know, if you, if you like John Brown, you got to hope for games, not like the one that just happened where they were winning by 25 points. You got to root for them to be down because they're not such a good team. Um, any interesting Kenny Stills? If, if Parker's still out, how about that? Yeah, Parker's still out. Then uh, definitely I, I would throw Kenny Stills out there against the Jets. Uh, anything 14 or more where you start three receivers, there's, uh, I could see starting. Okay. And the last one, uh, Corey Davis on the, on the Titans. It sounds like he'll be back soon. Thing is, we don't know what the chemistry level will be with him and Mariota because he just because he hasn't played. I mean, he's a super talent. Mm-hmm. But but do you, I mean, let's say he comes back in week eight. Right. Could he do, do you? Is there enough time for him? Is he a guy you'd like to stash for later in the season? I mean, we can say that about everybody. But in a 12 team league, do, is he the type of guy who, who you'd be willing to ditch someone on some of your rosters for to put a guy like Corey Davis on it? Yeah, possibly. He's one of those long-term targets. His return, if he doesn't play this week against the Browns, will actually be week nine because they're on a bye in week right. eight. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's he's a long-term target. You know, of course, not someone that you pick up to help you immediately. Um, I actually, you know, he's another name we've mentioned in the past. I think I would prefer Josh Doxson if he's available, you know, just as and he might be a little bit less available because he's got it because he scored a touchdown this week, but he's only targeted three times. I like Josh Doxson is a little bit better long-term target than davis but davis still falls right in that group of uh again don't carry dead weight on your roster at least get someone that might be able to help you down the stretch okay um i'm looking at just the ownership percentages we didn't talk about them a lot juju's 14 percent davis 23 uh stills 19 john brown 44 and doxson so we don't forget him is six percent so uh brown's the least likely to be available who's your who's your top three receivers on the list we just mentioned can I get away with Marvin Jones at 50, 55%? Um, he might be. We'll note him, but you're not getting away with him. How about that? Okay. I Well, I guess we'll go Juju followed by Benny Fowler, um, followed by Stills again, I guess. All right. Um, again, that's contingent on Parker. Yes. Again, and we're talking just this week pretty much. Right. We're talking just this week. And Parker's status, we haven't heard anything. Let me just check real quick. We're recording this, by the way. We're about noon Eastern on Tuesday as I speak. Um, Parker this week is a TBD. They, they don't know yet. Yep. Um, all right. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, just a few taps, really, really user-friendly. I can instantly find seats. Um, And Derek and I were talking about, you've got some, so do you have a crew going up to Lambeau for the Saints game? Um, no, these are just our, our my our, my family's tickets. So I'm going with my dad uh, for this week. But uh, I am I've got a bunch of family coming down for a Wisconsin Badgers game in a couple of weeks, and I'm having a tough time finding a four pack for even the Iowa game with the Badgers being undefeated. So I think I'm definitely going on SeatGeek and taking advantage of that free money. I there mean, you go. Can't Seat- go wrong with that. So, I mean, I look across all these different competitor sites all the time. SeatGeek's prices are right in line, if not better. And uh, the free money pushes me over the edge. 
Absolutely. SeatGeek, as Jake said, saves you time and money. It searches multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals and to get you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek creates every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. It doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. And as Jake said, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. Thanks a lot, SeatGeek. All right, tight ends. Um, Eifert's done, so forget oh, him. Uh, Martellus Bennett is an interesting one because, as you noted, we, we, do, we share notes beforehand. It's tough to drop, but... As Derek noted yesterday, because of their offensive tackle issues that have cropped up, you know, got they, they cropped up again on Sunday. Martellus Bennett's probably going to block a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to block a decent amount. He's an exceptional blocker. So, I mean, this isn't, you know, obviously fantasy. You need to get the counting stats and there's no stats for blocking. So that puts him on the chopping block in some leagues just because he only is being targeted four this week, three last week, seven, then four. That's his last four games. Had an 11 target game against the Falcons, but only caught five for 47. Uh, and when he is being targeted, he's still dropping passes. He had a pretty bad drop last week. And I, you know, I don't, none of our game logs track drops, but I'd be willing to say he's, he's got one in more games than he doesn't. And the volume's not there. Drops are an issue and he hasn't found the end zone yet this year. If you did, you know, a blind comparison without the the name, we're just looking at the stat line and comparing him to, you know, the, the eighth through 15th tight ends, fantasy tight ends in the league. He'd be near the bottom of that. So I think he needs to at least be on the chopping block because the quarterback downgrade, you know, I'm optimistic about Hundley, but definitely still a downgrade um there's just a lot of factors going against him so in your eight and ten team leagues you're not starting bennett so why are you owning him gotcha all right um evan ingram 69 percent on seven actually 70 i just looked uh please get evan ingram if he's still available um mm-hmm. zach miller so it's interesting last week i was excited because he had seven targets and he, he caught that tipped fluky touchdown on monday night um this past sunday at baltimore he so he scored again which is great only three targets, but Trubisky only threw the ball 16 times. So, yeah. I mean, the target, you would think it's going to go up a bit. I mean, we don't know how much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can't get away with throwing 16 times every week. He's not going to throw a lot, though, right? Yeah. I mean, he. I think they're going to limit him. They're not going to – they don't want him to go out and throw 30, 35 times. So um, something – yeah, yeah, definitely something to watch. And uh, the, the, the volume at, on, at first glance is not necessarily encouraging – but, you know, when you look at uh, percent of uh, of team targets and whatnot, uh, he was Deion Sims led the way. And then and then Miller was right there tied with a few other guys. So which, you know, percent of team targets, you can also find that on the Rotowire team trends page, throwing that out there. But Miller seems reliable enough to be worth a start. I mean, he's scoring more. You know, you look at the blind stat comparison between Miller and a guy like Bennett. And, you know, Miller's probably got more fantasy points because he's scoring. All right. Next up. Um Tyler Croft, we got to talk about. Bengals are at the Steelers this week. Tyler Croft with Eifert out. Last three, last three games, snap count, 60, 53, 62. Um, in those games, 16 targets, 13 catches, um, a little over, you know, probably 130-ish yards or so, and he caught two touchdowns against the Browns. Uh, Tyler Croft's in play for a bye week. I mean, for right now, I mean, you're not – you don't have to worry about the bye week this week with the with the Lions and Texans tight end wise because they don't have any mm-hmm. tight ends that are worth anything. Um, but Tyler, are you interested in playing Tyler Croft this week? Let's put it that way. 
Croft is one of those guys that I've been kind of cycling in and out kind of along with the George Kittle, who's also on our list uh, in a league in a 16 team league where I lost Greg Olson and, I, and I'm struggling. So Croft is a guy that I'm probably going to hang on to for for the foreseeable future as long as he continues to produce and continues to get red zone looks. All right. Uh, and speaking of Kittle, eight percent ownership, um, eight targets. On Sunday, four for 46 production. The week before, he had nine targets, went seven for 83 and one. And his college teammate is now his quarterback. Jackpot. Mm -hmm. Yes. uh, Yeah, that has to be. I think he needs to be on the radar. I'm already owning him in a 16 teamer. I'm definitely not thinking about dropping him for anybody else at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, the volume's there. You always follow the targets, and he seems good enough to be fantasy relevant. I'd, I'd go ahead and get him. Yeah, the Iowa Hawkeye connection. There you go. You're going to be hearing a lot about that, I have a feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm happy to add to a narrative like that whenever I get the chance. Uh, finally, Jack Doyle caught a decent number of passes last night, kind of back on your, you know, he had the concussion issues a couple of weeks ago, kind of back on our radar a little bit. He was looking good, but he also dropped i don't want to call them drops but he dropped some catchable balls in that game and then i believe he had a yeah, he lost a fumble as well so on the surface seven for 50 and the score looks good but uh the numbers are like a pro bowler he definitely didn't play like a pro bowler so a little bit of concern but if he's available i think there's enough volume there to pick him up all right top two tight ends shoot no ingram you can't uh, go no ingram all right well um yeah it's got to be miller and then croft okay um i think i'm going I think I might go Kittle. I really right. do. Yeah. It's interesting. You want to keep going with that narrative. Uh, you know, we'll see next week, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from. That's right. Uh, you, Miller's the smart one. You're right. He would be the smart play. Um, by I the way, so Kittle safe. 8% on Doyle's 42%. Miller 23, Croft 10. Um, last one, streaming defenses this week. Uh, you, we always want to attack the Browns, right? Yeah, Tennessee has to be in play at 30 uh, percent. Uh, you know, whether it's Hogan, whether it's Kaiser, they're going to get multiple turnovers a game. And we did see with Tennessee on Monday night that once they get a lead in the fourth quarter, they really dial up that pass rush. And I think they could do the same against Cleveland. So they're definitely a play. But but, John, I got to mention one of your guys that I totally overlooked was the Dallas Cowboys defense at 7 percent coming off a of bye? you know, heading to San Francisco. I don't ever feel that great about streaming a road defense, but he gets CJ Bethard. And then I mentioned, I think earlier that Sean Lee, who's been missed the last two weeks with a hamstring injury is coming back too. It's going to be a huge, huge boost for this defense. So originally I was thinking Tennessee might be the top target, but I think you might've talked me into the Cowboys, John. Oh boy. I hope I'm talking someone into the Cowboys defense. That's a road to ruin right there. Sometimes Jake, (laughs) quite possibly, quite possibly, but yeah, uh, uh, excellent matchup. Brand new starting quarterback and your best defensive player, argue. I mean, they've got some really good linemen that might contend with that. But overall, the most meaningful part of that defense is coming back. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt this week. All right. What what if um, if Jameis doesn't play, then the Bills, who have a good defense, are on the road, which we said we don't love road defenses, against a very interception-prone Ryan Fitzpatrick? I would absolutely go with that. Actually, I think the Bills are at home. Bills are at home? My bad. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah. Looking at that. You so that, that actually might <laughs> that might bump up the bills a little bit, uh, especially only 25 percent on They're They're targetable. They've got some good players, some talent on that defense. So I, I can definitely see that. OK. The other ones, um, the Dolphins have the Jets at home, but Josh McCown's been taking care of the ball. So we're not sure that's a great one anymore. Um, the Saints, would you would you consider the Saints against Hundley in Green Bay? 
I think McCarthy is going to coach them up with a game plan to at least put Hundley in a situation to hopefully not turn the ball over. Um, and there's going to be a lot of points scored both ways. I think Hundley can still score points against this defense. So, okay, I'm not I'm not streaming the Saints at Lambeau Field where it'll be hostile. Okay, um, anyone against Blake Bortles, anyone against a road Blake Bortles has to at least be under consideration, and that's the Colts. Yeah, but I mean, if in an ideal situation, if Fournette's healthy, Bortles not even going to get a chance to throw the ball 25 times or 20, not even 20 times. They're going they're going to limit what he can screw up. So I think that does limit the Colts a little bit. Okay. I mean, basically the thing is here, this past week we had a bunch of elite defensive options. They didn't all work out. Certainly Um, Mm -hmm. at home this week, like we don't have these big matchups with these really good defenses at home against bad teams, other than maybe the Vikings at home against Flacco. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and the bills, if they get Fitzpatrick, you don't, these streaming options are probably better ones this week because your, your big elite defenses don't have great earning great spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want to talk streaming options on my live chat later on today, we'll have at least a good part of the injury reports out. So we'll have a little bit better indication of who's in and who's out. So maybe things will change. But but for now, I would still be looking for the Cowboys, Titans and Bills as your top stream options. Cowboys, Titans and the Cowboys are seven percent owned on Yahoo, by the way. Titans are yep. 30 because they played the Colts last night. And I think everybody picked them up last week. Um, all right, everybody. Listeners to our podcast get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Jake, other than your 5.30 p.m. Eastern Facebook Live Q&A on Tuesday, what do you got going on this week? Man, uh, UFC's back in Poland this weekend and then in the Madison Square Garden a couple weekends after that. So I'm getting excited for that. And uh, college basketball, man, we're just a couple weeks away from uh, – from Midnight Madness, seeing some actual games, getting more excited about that every day. So, uh, you know, of course, football, a lot of the media stuff, watching all the football games every week. But, uh, you know, I still can never quite pull myself away from MMA and college hoops. All right, everybody, uh, if you miss any of this podcast, if you listen to all the thing, you jumped around, listen to all of it because there's tons of free agent recommendations. You're going to really need them. Uh, Jake, thanks a lot. And thank you to everybody who's been reviewing and rating this podcast. We just keep those reviews and ratings coming. We really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode is going to be coming up on Thursday where Tim Heaney and I are going to preview week seven. So come on back and check that out. For Jake Latarski, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.